Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place with the great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They'd come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch Jesus, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Then Jesus looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and when they revile you and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For surely your reward is great in heaven, for that's what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, he said, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. The Gospel of the Lord. This litany of blessings and woes reminded me of the conversation that I had with our high school youth a couple of weeks ago when we tied ties together as part of our Sunday morning series of classes that I call Stuff I Never Learned in High School. Other than almost, but not quite, learning how to tie neckties, some of us were better at that than others, we also talked about wealth and poverty and income inequality a bit, all connected, then at least, to the story of the rich man and Lazarus, which is another parable Jesus talks about later in Luke's gospel than what we heard today. The theme of that story is a common one for Jesus. All this stuff about wealth, poverty, equity, and justice, I mean, whether it comes in the form of the Beatitudes in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, as they're called in Matthew's Gospel, or these blessings and woes from his Sermon on the Plain, as it's called in Luke's version of the story, or in parables like the rich man who is dressed in purple and fine linens, and his poor neighbor, Lazarus. Well, in my conversation with the youth, things were sparked by a tweet that I had seen earlier that week by a woman named Nina Strominger, who was a professor at the prestigious Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania. Maybe you heard about this. Her tweet caused quite a stir in certain circles back in January. And this is what Professor Strominger posted on Twitter. I asked Wharton students what they thought the average American worker makes per year. And 25% of them thought it was over six figures. One of them thought it was $800,000. I'm really not sure what to make of this. And she added that the real figure was something like $45,000 a year. 
others in the thread that followed this tweet disagreed and said it was more like $53,000 a year. Whatever the case, wow and woe. As in, woe to you, Wharton School of Business. (laughs) As Jesus might have tweeted in reply. It is shocking. It's obscene, perhaps. Might even be sinful by some standards. That so many students at an Ivy League university studying business would be so misinformed, so out of touch, so sheltered as to think that the average bear in their own country makes anywhere from two to 16 times more than is actually the case. It might be telling that a single year's tuition at Wharton is nearly $55,000 annually, which is about $1,500 more than what the actual average American worker makes in a year, depending on whose math you believe. Wow. And whoa, indeed. And I don't mean to make more of this than is fair or necessary. These were undergrads, I think. Maybe freshmen, even. I likely would have answered wrongly in one direction or the other when I was 18 years old, too. But it's meaningful and faithful, I believe, to wonder about this when you also consider that the likes of Warren Buffett, Elon Musk, Donald Trump, and two of his kids, along with Governors and CEOs and powerful people of all kinds at all levels of high society have connections to places like the Wharton School of Business at UPenn. These are the kinds of people, these are the kinds of leaders who have and who do and who will influence public policy in our country and around the world at every level. These are leaders we should hope and pray have their hearts and their minds and their life's work in tune, not just with the rich and the full and the laughing, as Jesus might put it, but also that they would be in touch with the poor and the hungry and the weeping and the hurting among us too. And so should we as followers of Jesus. Which is why all of this makes Jesus and this sermon this morning full of blessings and woes speak to us, too, and still, about recognizing our place and our privilege in the world, and about how all of this is an invitation to be aware of and to be compassionate about the social and the cultural and the political and the economic location of all of God's children in the world as we know it. Blessed are you who are poor, but woe to you who are rich. Blessed are you who are hungry now, woe to you who are full. Blessed to you who weep now, woe to you who are laughing, 
Blessed are you when people hate, exclude, revile, and defame you. Woe to you when all speak well of you. I'm under the impression that Jesus promises blessings upon blessings upon blessings for those who are poor or hungry or weeping or persecuted because that's what Jesus does. That's what the grace of God is all about, offering hope for those who need it most. And because God's grace promises always to redeem the poor, to redeem the hungry, to redeem the weeping, to redeem the persecuted in the end and at all costs. And I'm under the impression, too, that all those woes are meant to do more than simply shame or scare whoever finds themselves rich or full, smiling or living their best life. I think Jesus wants those people to remember that they have been or recognize maybe that they could be on the other side of things at any given moment, but for the grace of God, as the saying goes. And of course, this is all relative, right? You and I don't have to have attended an Ivy League school or make six figures in a year or more to live in an ivory tower by somebody's estimation. So Jesus wants all of us to live differently in light of this truth. And because he's Jesus, he shows us how to do that. However subtly, when, as Luke's gospel tells us, he went down that day with them and stood on a level place. This little bit of stage direction from the writer of Luke's gospel may or may not have been intended for much, but when we know the rest of the story, it can mean a whole heck of a lot. He went down with them, and he stood in a level place. Jesus' whole life, all of his ministry, every bit of his existence was about coming down. About lowering himself. About humbling himself. About becoming less than. Not out of pity, but with compassion. Not feeling sorry for but standing in solidarity with. Not because so many people are helpless, but because he could be so helpful. Jesus was never far off or far away, but always drawing near, coming close to see who needed what most, when, and how. And he calls all of us to do the same. Now, I don't mean to rain on our Super Bowl parade. I plan on watching and eating and drinking my way through it all with the rest of you tonight. But I'm not sure there's a more timely example of our culture's priorities and excess than everything we will be up to collectively as a people tonight. So let's notice... Who's in the stands in that stadium later tonight? And let's be mindful of and wonder about who's out on the sidewalk, too. Let's acknowledge 
that those amazing commercials cost, on average, $6.5 million for 30 seconds of airtime. More than $12 million per minute. While politicians in corporate America pretend to feel sorry, scared, and helpless about the boogeyman of inflation. And let's not forget either about the racial drama behind the scenes of it all either in the NFL. About who's on the field playing, about who's coaching or not from the sidelines, and about who's sitting up high in the sweet seats behind the glass. Blessings and woes. Blessings and woes, blessings and woes. The life of Jesus and all of his preaching and teaching and healing, all of it, is about stepping into the swirl of blessings and woes as we understand them in this life. So let's be convicted by what he has to say this morning. Let's wonder about how full we are ourselves. Let's be aware, too, of how little others have in this world, about how much more we could share, and about how we would, could, should come down more often to help level the playing field for those who need it most. Because whether we're in the Wharton School of Business or in the Sunday school classroom at Cross of Grace, whether you are a millionaire or making minimum wage in middle America, Jesus calls us all to be mindful of the poor, the hungry, the weeping, and those in need among us. And he invites us to trust God's promise. This is the good news. To trust God's promise and to give thanks for the good news that we will be blessed when all are blessed by the blessings that come to us and through us for the sake of the world when we follow his lead. Amen.